Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Tonight, we got them, Goldie and the Sulk. This is a chemical, chemical, disgusting, 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 And it starts right now. Uh, but here's a realistic hack to know ahead of time when your dog may have to take a shit imminently. So we have these three older dogs. I realized within the last few years that, you know, yes, you can try to read their expression and all that, and sometimes that just doesn't work out. When the dogs are walking away from you so that you may see their butthole as you can on a pug and on our dogs, it's sort of a similar thing, you can see mild <gasps> sphincter dilation wow. there's a that you can tell when it's <laughs> oh coming God. and when it's not what a pervert <laughs> i know believe me i'm casting my gaze on dog buttholes <laughs> yeah. that's for sure but it works I i'm telling have you never noticed that. it's it true it, i'm telling you give, give it a look <laughs> give, give lloyd's lou a look the next time he's uh you know i hate to see him every go time, but i love to watch him walk away every time i'm in a room with you from now on and i leave i'm backing <laughs> I will never show you my my rear side again. I know, but then how will we? How will I know when to take you for a walk? As we do so often. Oh my God! Welcome back to another episode of a typical disgusting display a podcast for writers by writers who hate writing. Hey, what are you doing for Christmas? What kind of Christmas plans you got? You finished all your shopping? Uh, I did. I just am throwing just, I'm throwing so much stuff at trying to salvage this year Yeah. in the final week (laughs) with a barrage of, it's like a game where you're, it's garbage time, right? It's a game where you're down 40, (laughs) you know, you're not going to win. It's all about batting stats. You're just jacking up threes and being like, maybe we can cut it to like 18 and then anyone who looks at the box score would go, oh, it was, it was okay. It wasn't yeah, a blowout. Well, also, this, you have to acknowledge the spread on this year was quite high, so you may be able to beat the spread. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, we're, you know, I, I guess I should be traveling. I guess everyone else is traveling. I'm Maybe I'm the last person in America who's trying to, you know, preserve the public good by not spreading coronavirus. And also... Yeah. I, with this Omicron, sometimes you read and you go, you know, 40% of people don't even know they have it. And yeah. it's like, 
Wow. So I'm trying to avoid this disease that even that if I got, that. I wouldn't know I had it. It sounds like some sort of problem they present you with in a shitty first year philosophy course at college. Like, what if there were a disease and you didn't know you had no had effects it. and no one knew they had it? And then you would, you know, get all high and mighty and argue with people yeah. for no reason. And then they'd give you a B plus and you yeah. could never prove that right. it was good or bad. Right. Oh my God. B plus was like my holy grail. God, I was such yeah. a bad student. There was a course I went to twice and I got a B plus. Wow. Really? Yeah. What did they Because it was a philosophy t- class. Like there's no right or wrong. Right. You just have to kind right. of defend what you said. So I showed up for the midterm and I showed up for the final. And then the rest of the time I was stroking my girlfriend's hair in the park. <laughs> <laughs> Back when back when I had time for that sort of thing. Oh my god. Which park? Uh, Riverside Park. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, that's that's let's, the Let's go to people. Riverside and I'll lightly stroke your hair for a <laughs> while. While sweet. they film a scene from Law and Order in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean it was just Oh my god. You know, it was backward also that was Riverside Park was scarier then than it yeah. is it was. now. So yeah. it was kinda like with the you know the light menace of potential terror, <laughs> you lie down. I'll stroke your hair. Were you were you really a hair stroker? Is this a real thing? Yes, it sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wasn't. Awesome. Gonna, I mean, I I I, <laughs> I always say this is like yeah, any advice to a young person is. I dated the same woman all four years oh, of college, yeah. which is the single huge, dumbest thing you huge can do. Mistake. Yeah, where you just go, I'm in love. And it's like, <laughs> no, just date everybody. <laughs> well, that's right. Matter. This is the woman who who offered you a threesome, and you said, "Now dare you? I <laughs> ah, were in love. No." <laughs> I love that story. It was also that. the woman whose whose best friend briefly dated Beto O'Rourke. Oh, so he and I used to hang out in their suite uh, <laughs> in a dorm called Ruggles at Columbia. So it was me. We would just be, you know, because they the girls were best friends. They'd be yeah. off in their room doing stuff, and so then it was like, well, I guess we should talk to each other, right? While we're sitting here for two hours. Like, was he a good guy? He was a very nice guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. What really st- struck with me when I when I saw him again. Was is like, oh, there's that guy who only had one shirt. That's what I remember about him. He had a white T-shirt with blue sleeves, and that was all he ever wore. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, he's gonna get one shirt, Beto. (laughs) Also, also, I forgot. Like when I, because my friend, no one called him Beto back then. Yeah. What did they call him? Well, so Columbia at that time, you know, almost everyone seemed to be from the Northeast. So yeah. he was from Texas. So I, I heard my friend was like, did you hear Beto's running for Senate? And I was like, I don't know who Beto is. And he's like, yeah. Beto. And I was like, I've never heard that word. You know, stop saying Beto. It's not going to make me. And then Come on, I saw him Beto. on TV and I was like, oh, Texas Rob? Because <laughs> he was just from Texas Rob. and his name was Rob. So I was like, oh, Texas Rob. He's running for Senate, the guy with one shirt who sat in the suite with me. It just—it also like, how are you supposed to have faith in the government? It's like, it's just, 
It's just yeah. people with one like you used to sit around with who are now <laughs> kind of like I've become serious. Yeah. I understand Wait. appropriations. So is like, Beto, really? is Beto a, a, like a, a bastardization of Robert? I, I think it was it's it's oh. like a sort of Spanish uh, nickname that he yeah. probably had as a child. I OK. Think. And then like he, off of Roberto. Yeah, and yeah. then I'm sure when he came to Columbia in the 90s and it was all grunge, it was like, you know, um, my people used to call me by this endearing name where I'm from. It was Beto, you know. <laughs> and they're like, shut up. Like, I'm, I'm fucking Rob. <laughs> I'm Rob. We're listening, I listen to, we listen to, I listen to Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> I like to brood. And what about Soundgarden? My girlfriend wears overalls everywhere. <laughs> Everything's really bleak. Temple Even though the... 9-11 hadn't happened yet. Yeah, I know. We had nothing to complain about. No. Right. Temple of the Dog is the best band ever. They just smashed two <laughs> bad things together. You guys don't understand me. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. Oh, and a lot of them are kind of dark. <laughs> I know. I can't believe that we were complaining in the 90s to look back on it. Like, what were we so pissed about? The like, 80s? What? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what, I mean, the 80s were like. I think AIDS was the oh. big, you know, my, like my first day of college, Magic Johnson said he had AIDS and then no one right. had sex for a year. <laughs> so I think that is. was a big part of it was, it was the covid back then but it did kill you and it was like oh and how's it spread it's like the one thing we all came here to do (laughs) have sex that's how you die oh Oh, god so i think we did have a little bit of a claim to despair uh, con college just plowed through that news they did not care (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was just don't worry about it well also like con college as i brought up before mostly women so they didn't Uh, really care about i mean they cared about it also johnson and aids but they didn't it didn't stop it i'm sure everyone but me was going nuts i just (laughs) sort of was like it seems like no one's having sex at all it's like no everyone is pan around the room to ties on every doorknob (laughs) (laughs) well my roommate certainly was that's true <laughs> there you go. While you were yeah. stroking hair uh, um, was adjacent to 96. Stroking three. hair and stealing RA dorm door condoms. <laughs> In case I needed them. In case of emergency. Uh, so, do you have plans for the holiday? We, we uh, as a family, are going to uh, a place in Vermont called Stratton, which Stratton. is like a ski place so we're going skiing the short way of saying that is we're going skiing yeah Uh, yeah we're we're driving up driving up on thursday thought it was tomorrow it's actually thursday so we could have been doing really hard to picture you skiing oh (laughs) believe me i I mean listen I, i i think i've mentioned this to you before so i skied when i was younger and i was never I started a little late, kind of like 11 or 12. You know, most kids, when they start skiing, they're younger than that. But I skied up in Vermont, would go, you know, a couple times a year, and then didn't ski for like 30 years. And Tall is a great skier. She's like one of those skiers where like her whole body is just like absolutely a willow in in the wind. She's a person with an agenda. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, I'm going to get to the bottom of that mountain and fast. Yep. (laughs) And be great. That's 100% right. I'm like, I don't know why I'm up here. I don't know why I need to be down there. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure why I'm doing this. So I'm just going to kind of crisscross super slow and not wreck my knees. Because there's nothing at the bottom. I that I need to be doing or that's better than right here. And also, yes. like, when I get to the top, I'm always looking at the different trail names. It's like Thrasher, uh, <laughs> The Face. And then I'm like, oh, this one, The Easy Mile. That looks good. <laughs> Funny um, hill. But anyway, so I am I hadn't skied in 30 years. and But it is kind of like, as they say, riding a bike. So I went with Tall again. And I took, a, I took lessons to kind of refresh myself. But I'm skiing and I'm like, okay, this is exactly what I remember skiing was yeah. like I'm yeah. I'm doing I'm doing it exactly like I used to. And so I was with this instructor and Tall came with us on the lesson and was like, you know, doing her moves and stuff and she went down this little run ahead of me and videotaped me coming oh. down, you know, on her phone. <laughs> nice. And like in my mind, it, I was going through like a junior sort of like slalom trail. Yes. And yeah. in my mind, I'm like, you know, Bill Mayer, like coming down the hill. <laughs> the like I'm like, oh, this is good. And I see that she's filming. So I'm like kind of leaning into the turns. <laughs> then I, I look at the video and I described it as it looked like if Frankenstein were in high school and carrying his lunch tray, trying to find a table, like I was so bad. It was so stiff and awkward. So I'm throwing myself into that again. And now, yeah. now that I'm aware of that's what I look like, I, I can't, you know, skiing is like slightly joyless for me. They, the it. same thing yeah. happened with me in surfing where I was surfing in Hawaii and they were like, oh, we'll videotape you. And, you know, right. I was kind of, <laughs> It felt like I was just totally shredding. shredding. And then I, I get the video and it looks like someone placed a statue right. of an old crouching fisherman looking over the side of a boat. And that got caught in a wave like there was there was no fluidity or yeah. grace or anything. I know. I think that's that's Judaism, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we both got it bad. <laughs> uh, JC, what do you have anything planned for uh, Xmas? Well, we are celebrating it solo here. This is we we kind of like that uh, tradition, yeah. Especially jealous, <laughs> especially no traveling, like like Goldie was yeah. saying. But then the day after, we're driving out to Palm Springs and and spending it there till the end of the year. Maybe Would you get awesome. to do some strings. <laughs> I got him. Well, he's. He might hear, but I, uh, it's all—it's definitely music related. Um, oh, yes. nice. so. <laughs> honey, as a gift, we both get to get spit on by Perry Farrell. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to us all, and Merry yes. Christmas to you listening. I'm glad you can say that again. Yeah, I you know. Can? Thanks, Ted. Yeah, yeah. Remember when you had to say Happy, happy holidays, holidays, and it was just yeah. such a burden. Wait, you, I know, but it, when did it change? No, with Trump. Oh, oh, with Trump, you can say Merry Christmas again. <laughs> yeah. By the way, as as Jews, I enjoy saying Merry Christmas. I don't give a shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's nothing like Holiday for one second feeling like you're actually blending in and I know. people aren't thinking horrible thoughts about you. <laughs> right. Wait, and you celebrate both Hanukkah and Christmas? Goldie does. Okay. Yeah, well, my family is not as Jewish as I am. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thankfully. I mean, like, it's nice that you no. guys celebrate both. You know? Yeah, no, we're, we're we're exclusively a Hanukkah family. Okay. We're all about Hanukkah. <laughs> and we don't even really care about that. It's like we 
we light the stuff, but we don't. I don't know. Yeah. Hanukkah yeah. It, it dilutes its power by trying to be eight days. Like that's just such a stretch for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember as a kid when when you first start getting gifts like for your parents or sister or whatever your brother in your case Goldie and like I would you know when you're young your first I remember there was one year where I bought my sister deodorant and my mom mouthwash (laughs) (laughs) those were the gifts CVS (laughs) yep yep Weston Senna no Andy's mints there oh see I wasn't I wasn't that savvy (laughs) that would have been a step up right that was a good uh Good recap. We, we survived it all. <laughs> Let's get into the part of the show that's killing us slowly. Let's get in to Johnny Jib. Here's Johnny's. <laughs> oh. That's a that's little trick, the that. slight self-laugh. <laughs> Johnny's. Johnny's. This is going to be funny, folks. Here's oh. Johnny's. That was nothing but treble on my end. Racing. All right. <clears throat> here we go. Here they come this week. Oh, here we go. And the beat goes on. The special Senate committee has finally begun to investigate Donald Trump's role in the events of January 6th. And the former president may be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he was texting multiple women graphic pictures of his insurrection. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Joke numero dos. This is good. Uh, you know, uh, this is some good news for California. Thanks to multiple atmospheric events, the average snowpack in California has gone from 18% to 98% over the last two weeks. Yeah, to give you an idea of how dramatic an increase that is, conditions have been officially upgraded from sparse to Charlie Sheen's coffee table. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of snow on that coffee table. I think you can fill in the blanks. Uh, All right, here we go. What do I do here? Uh, Oh, this is kind of interesting news. A new study finds the best place in the world to be a woman is Reykjavik, Iceland. Yeah. Okay. Best place to be a woman. Uh, the worst place in the world to be a woman continues to be the altar at my weddings. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Charlie Sheen's coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so much better. Oh, God. You got to rewrite these for me. Okay. Uh, here's, a, here's the last one. <clears throat> YouTube TV has been purchased by tech giant Google, who vows to broaden the site's reach. Uh, So, fellas, if you're alone on a Saturday night, you can always stay home and Google your YouTube. (laughs) I cannot tell you the level of confidence I had going into this segment. Google, Google your tube? Google your YouTube. Come on. Uh, that, that, Johnny would have been all over that shit. Google, yeah, YouTube, like Facebook. That's yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, like, a lot of buildup and then just a, a cliff uh, drop, a jarring, just, turbulent style drop at the end. I'm just regretting <laughs> the jokes that I've left behind now. Okay, Those second Johnny. Take it away. <laughs> all right, here we go. The Navy is coming out with maternity uniforms for pregnant sailors. 
Isn't that nice? Yeah. It's our way of saying spanks you for your service. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. That's fine. (laughs) Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Got a little squeaky there. Donald Trump (laughs) was booed after telling a crowd of his fans that he got a COVID booster shot. Yeah, he was booed. Fortunately, Trump quickly was able to win the crowd back by saying immigrants are rapists. Soldiers who die in war are losers, and Hillary Clinton was too old and fat for Jeffrey Epstein. Real quality people at those events. Yeah. All right. Inflation continues to spiral exponentially, causing beef, butter, and noodles to spike to record prices. Yeah. Uh, In related news... My Aunt Helen was on the cover of Fortune magazine because she has five pounds of beef stroganoff. (laughs) (laughs) I knew the stroganoff was coming. (laughs) And finally, thank God, (laughs) pioneering sex therapist Shirley Zussman has died at 107. He gone! (laughs) She was tragically crushed by a pile of dildos. That entire thing just felt like shoveling wet snow. I love that. I love that. I I always admire the balls of coming at my jokes when you had those coming back. I will never, never not respect the brashness of it. I'm not defending this week's crop as, uh, look, I got to bring something to the farmer's market. You brought it. You brought it. Uh, uh, You know what? I bought it. I bought the strawberries. I didn't see that they had wormholes in them. They're fine. I'm eating them. They were good. They were very delicious. Uh, All right. You're lucky to even get a podcast this week. (laughs) I didn't realize that. It doesn't feel like that. (laughs) All right. That aside, moving on. I can see Goldie shrugging it off. Oh, the defenders are in the pocket. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind. With Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. <laughs> this week, uh, oh, this is pretty a good theme for this week, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about some advice for writers. And this is uh, the ways in which you can get fired. How do you get fired from a show? So I think, you know, what leapt to mind, Goldie, when you, you suggested this topic, and I think it's a good one, you know, I instantly started thinking of like, People who don't show up for work, people who don't hand scripts in on time, people who hand in sub-quality work. 
but there there's more to it than that there's there are like extra layers of like how and why people get fired so i know you had a lot of thoughts on yeah this. and that we spend so much time as writers thinking about getting the job how do we get the job and getting our specs in line and everything yeah. has to line up and then don't spend that much time thinking about how do you keep the job right it's it's sort of like when you have a kid and you have this birth plan and you spend weeks <laughs> writing the birth plan and then you go to the hospital and then they take one look at it and they're like whatever we do this all the time like you haven't solved a better way of doing this than we have <laughs> yeah they throw your birth plan away and then you have a kid and you sort of forget oh i have to now just i have 30 plus yeah. years of raising this kid ahead of me. Yes. I, that was in no that was the start of something, not the finish line. Right. Like you you yeah. think you've run the marathon. It's like, no, that was the starting line for the actual race. And so yeah. I, I think that first of all, people go in with a, a couple misconceptions. And the first is that this anxiety of I have to keep this job and the other person has all the power and that like, okay, I'm like I'm your this, boss. That, yeah, your boss. I'm this small, I'm this small little writer and I've gotten this job and I I need to hit all my marks or I'm going to instantly be canned. They're going to discover I'm a fraud. I have imposter syndrome and all that may be true. But the fact is, is that people go in with more of a hand to play than they think, because to get hired, the showrunner, your boss, has gone to bat for you with the studio and the network. They've explained to several people why they think you're great and why out of all the people out there, they've hired you. And in many cases, the studio and network want them to hire other people. Like they have yes. people they like in general who are mostly their friends, who are mostly terrible writers, who you have to <laughs> pretend and go through all these motions like, oh, we're really close on that person. It's just... You know, it's it's tight. I have so few spots and I, I, if I can just jam them in there. And then, of course, you're just like, I don't want any executive's friend in the room with me reporting back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and telling yeah, them totally. everything I'm doing wrong. But you have that to was, go through That the was dance. a very common practice up until recently. I mean, it, it still kind of is, but I feel like that happened a lot. Uh, when we were coming up like every time I've gotten close or gotten a show I've had my arm twisted on several people who yeah you know the Spies. the, the lie wow. they give you is that you know this is a promising person we think they're really good and then you kind of look at the situation more and it's like yeah. oh they were in your wedding <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, this promising writer yeah, yeah. <laughs> who was well, your college you... roommate <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there there was a guy and um, i think i don't know if he's still in the business do you, goldie do you remember the name i think his name was brad johnson and he was over at fox and he was an incredibly nice guy he was a really nice guy but he was an executive and then they started putting him in writers rooms and like making him like this writers executive and he's clearly clearly him, no. just there to wow. like in, in his version of it there's a famous story where when he went home to his family and and one day his child asked him what he did and he said daddy saves shows oh wow and like that was a quote that i think you know a bunch of people used to repeat that quote and it, it always made us laugh but it, that's what he was he was a, a network stooge basically wow. in there yeah. to kind of infiltrate the whole system um one of awesome. the things sony offered me when i <laughs> i got united we fall was they said there are these consultants and they come in at the beginning of shows 
And they've devised this way to break several seasons of stories. And they'll walk you through it. And they'll take you and the writers through it. And you go, <laughs> okay, so instantly I've gotten this show. And my first act is going to be... I'm going to go in this room and go, hey, everybody, I don't know what I'm doing, okay? I know I'm supposed to have stories and I'm supposed to be the writer, but instead, these outside consultants who you've never heard of, who haven't ever written a script or gone, they know how to do it better than I do. So let's just sit while they teach me how to do my job and solve every problem. Like the whole concept was so ridiculous. Take it away for the next four years, guys. Yeah, but you have to sort of act like I'm very open to it. And out of curiosity, part of me wanted to go, Sure. Yeah, let's see what they can do. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't I didn't take them up on it. But the, back to the original point, which is that the second someone decides they want to fire you, it's it's not an isolated act. It it has reverberations because they need to tell people they're firing you. They kind of need to get permission to fire you. And when they do yes. that, the perception of them is you made a bad decision, you screwed up. Yes. And as a showrunner, you get a couple screw ups and they're very valuable. And to burn one on firing a low level writer simply in most cases does not make sense. It's better to live with that person because you're going to be in situations where it's, hey, you're this episode went 80 grand over budget. Although, like to me, that part was always hilarious where they say you're yeah. over budget and it's going like the Yankees are spending too much to sign, <laughs> you know, John Carlos Stanton. It's like I I'm supposed to go like, oh my god, the Fox Corporation can't simply can't absorb an eighty thousand dollar hit. I'm yeah. very concerned. <laughs> like I'm supposed to be up in arms about someone else's right. money that's also, you know, traced yeah, back to a multinational conglomerate. It's fine. Right. Um <laughs> But they have other problems like it's maybe a whole episode is in trouble or maybe a script has been thrown out or, you know, maybe um, production, a lot of times production's running behind and you don't have an episode ready. And so you need to save your screw ups for super important stuff. And so to get fired as a lower level person, you're really going to need to be a monumental screw up now. If the show goes on several seasons, it becomes easier to do whatever because right. then success is baked in. So I I, th- I think it's important when you walk into the room to at least feel a little bit confident that there are sort of guardrails in place. Yes. To keep it's, you from veering nice. off. Yes. The and road. and we and, and I feel like on an earlier episode we kind of touched on this where because it is it's it's very common and understandable for a low level writer maybe it's their first job coming into a room to be nervous, to be scared and to have those thoughts that you're describing like, Oh, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm really here now. What the fuck am I doing? But you have to remember, as you said, you've already cleared so many hurdles to get there. You've had a spec script that people liked enough to have you come in and have a meeting and you were liked enough in that meeting to get hired. So you're, you're totally right. If you are very scared when you first come in there, you're not taking into account the full picture, the full picture as you described of the show. And we've been in this position, both you and I have, as the showrunner, and you bring someone in on the low level. And and you're right. It's like we've vouched for them, and we don't want to go to the studio and say, oops, I made a mistake. Right. You, you don't want any 
you don't want to be raising any alarm bells of any kind if you're a new show. Yeah. And so the last thing you want to do is go in in month three or four and say, yeah, this decision I made was totally wrong. Sorry. Right. Well, also, you'll have to replace that person. And in this sort of show economy, we live it and like there's this perception, right or wrong, that if anyone is available, how good could they be? Because no one else has hired them. Right, right. I know. So it's, it's, you're always dealing with, you know, to find a replacement isn't necessarily easy. No. Right. Even no. though there are so many writers, it's every little bit of every show is territory that has to be fought for and won. Yes. And a lot of times the, the effort of that isn't really worth, uh, you know, if you go, I could upgrade this person 15%. That, so, yeah. So here, here are just easy ways to get fired. And yes. So this goes back to something I read in Malcolm Gladwell. Think of him what you will. Um, but I, I found this to be very true in a professional space, is that everyone is thin slicing everything, meaning everyone is creating the generalization they're going to carry the rest of their lives based on less than 10 seconds of interaction. Totally right. So if you show up, very early for any job for the first two weeks, the perception will always be, oh, this is a conscientious person who's on time. And then if you're ever late after that, it becomes, wow, this is really out of character. It must be some kind of emergency. You've yes. framed it that way. But if in the first two weeks, you're four minutes late, it's like always lollygagging, never <laughs> yeah. quite here. Always. And then when you need to ask for something and then... A year of being early will never erase that. No. Nope. So I would say the nope. first thing to do is just be early for a month. That's such a that's great. such great advice. It's such a simple thing to do, and you're a hundred percent right. And I'll tell you why. And we talked about this a little last night. So we have a writer on um, Family Guy named Matt Pabian, and he's an excellent writer. He's really like inspired funny. And I think Goldie, you'd agree with that. He's yes. like, he's, he's very talented, uniquely very funny. funny. Nice. Yeah. Um, but he was a writer's assistant for several seasons before he was promoted. And there was one day, one day when he slept through his alarm oh. and there was like, you know, not panic, but it was just sort of like, well, where is he? We've got to find him. But, you know, okay? and it was like calls were made and texts and all that kind of stuff. And eventually it came out, Oops, he slept through his alarm and he came in. But now whenever <laughs> I, I think of him or whenever he's like one minute late to a Zoom, Sleepy I'm always just Matt. like, there he is. <laughs> yep. Sleepy Matt, who's going to go wake him Poor up? Matt. Yeah, who's going to stand outside his apartment with air horns? He's like, got, you get your Z's. <laughs> but he's done, he's done so he's much yeah. since then. Like, I mean, he's, he's handed in fantastic scripts pitched a million great jokes but i still think of him as the guy who sleeps in <laughs> yeah. so so that's just to make to make your that's how your point manifests itself yes yeah. i thin sliced matt yes. yes and look the second thing is if you're gonna be late say you're gonna be 10 minutes late do not text anyone i because on one of my shows i would get these texts from this this writer and it was like i'm running seven minutes late and it's <laughs> right. like I, I'm I'm so annoyed by this text that like now 
every time I would get it, I was like, I ha- I have to fire this person to eliminate this moment from my life. Like, yeah. whereas if they just showed up late, it would be okay. That's annoying. And I, I, another thing to keep in mind is most rooms don't start on time. No, they start ten minutes late. So yeah, by sending that text, you've now played your hand where it's like I'm fully late. <laughs> Odds are in your favor you're not going to get discovered. Eight minutes late that you can amble in and then kind of pretend like, oh, sorry, I didn't hear we started and you can and no one will know. So be smart about it. Like if you're going to be an hour late, that requires explanation. Yes. And if 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 you have any of these issues where you're late or you hand in something late, you better be good that day. And whatever you hand in late better be great because I've had this discussion as a showrunner and, and Goldie, I'm sure you've had to deal with this. If you get something late and it's awesome, you don't give a shit. You're, you're a little bit like, oh, you know, when it's late, if it's like a day, you're like, well, where the fuck is he? But supposed being to on time yesterday? is the job. It's like the only job is to do but the work on, in the time. And, yeah, and totally the, right. By, by being late, you've just shown you can't do the job. Yeah, but if it's like, late, if it's late and it's great, it makes up for it. I'm telling in you. In animation, sure, when the schedule is not as tight, but yes. you cannot do that in in a live production. In a that's true. In a non-animated production, you that's just, true. When you, you when can't you have, have a, a delay, only a, a certain amount of production days to get an episode yeah. done. Yeah, you you can't do that. Um, so yes, my my view is skewed by the Family Guy experience, right? And sure. we do twenty episodes in these in these shows with shorter orders. Like a lot of them are eight, ten, or thirteen now, and thirteen seems to be the max. Yeah. Now, yeah. That, to me, <laughs> you don't have doctor's appointments during those 13 weeks. Yeah. Don't yep. need to see anybody. Don't need to visit your accountant. Right. Don't, I would say, don't go to a wedding unless it's like Yours. your best friend. <laughs> yeah, if you're, in the, if you're in the wedding party, you can go. Sure. Otherwise, just show up. Later, because it's what? What are you trying to do? If this is really important to you, yeah, then weeks. make it important. And but if you're yes. going every time you go to your boss to ask for something, you're creating you're in their yeah. mind, like the Meryl Streep movie Doubt. You're yeah, you're yeah. starting yeah. to create <laughs> doubts because the whole job. I mean, I've gotten out of jury duty by explaining to a judge, I'm working this amount in these weeks, and then there's yes. no makeup for this. Yeah. No, and Goldie, like, you, are, you, you are, honestly, and this is true, I've, I've, I've said this before, you, you are like a shining example of the way a writer should act when he has a job. Like, you awesome. respect the job above basically everything. You know, not well, above I've us. learned, I mean, this goes to one of my next point, which is that that was learned... Um, and that something else I've learned, and I feel like the hard way because I haven't done it correctly, is if you want to get fired, another good way is to treat your boss like your friend because your boss is your boss and not yeah. your friend. Your boss may be very friendly, and I've been privileged to work for some extremely great people who I do consider friends, but when you enter that building, they're your boss. Right, yeah. right. They're well, not but, your friend. So right. don't. Start asking for friend shit, like a wedding, or I want to get out for this, or I have concert tickets, because <laughs> now you're blurring this line that at the end of the day, I've also learned they will be your boss. Like when I got fired from the Late Late Show, everyone who had been cool with me 
yeah. you know, for three years sat me down and was like, hey, it's not working out. And in the moment there was no, hey, buddy, it's not working out. Yeah. It was yeah. like, right. we have your contract here and your date is here. And then next thing you know, you're walking out with a box of your stuff with a security person next to you. Yeah. Wow. Because you're fired. And in that moment, no one's your friend. Right. Right. So. Right. Well, in that case, uh, I mean, not to d- dive too deeply into that, but I feel like. You were a Kilborn loyalist, and so there was a oh, pur- there was a purge. I deserve to be fired, and right, I wanted to be fired. Okay, right, which Here's is a, that can happen. A, another too. point, right? You may want to be fired. Yeah, I've been in several <laughs> situations where my contract called for me to be paid for a certain amount of time, and it wasn't working out. And it was like, if I can get this yeah. money without doing the work, please fire me. For example. Yeah. In your mind, this year, who are the two greatest coaches in the National Football League? Bill Belichick, okay, always. Uh, and let me see, uh, maybe Mike Tomlin. Okay. Well, who would you say? I would say Urban Meyer and John Gruden. Oh, because I know Urban why. Meyer? Why? <laughs> because oh, he's getting paid. They both <laughs> wow. have giant deals. <laughs> They both got fired, and the amount of money is the same, and they don't have to do anything for it now. So if you can put yourself in a situation where you talk to your lawyer and you go, I'm going to get paid, there is no reason not to get fired because... Because then you're then you're off just, you know, fingering buttholes in Ohio, (laughs) and you're getting paid. If the show is shitty, that... Shitty gossip about shitty shows is currency in Hollywood. So if you got fired off something that sucks, that is better than having been on the full run of something that sucked. Yes. And then having the person who ran the thing that sucked call and give you a recommendation for some new thing. Because if if that happens, if someone who did a show I hate calls me and says, this person is great, I instantly go, that person is an idiot. (laughs) Because they were vital at a show that sucked. But then someone walks through my door and goes, I got fired off that horrible piece of shit. I go, oh, this may be my person. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, sadly, I've been on the ass end of that, um, where there was a, a writer on Dads who we had to let go early on. You may remember that, Goldie. Mm -hmm. And he has had the golden touch since. So you're right. Like that guy can tell you that guy cannot stop getting hired in development deals because he got fired off of the disaster oh. of dads. Yeah. So you're welcome. <laughs> I yeah, won't say so the name, but you're welcome. Getting fired isn't always the worst thing if it gives you this sort of story to bring around to meetings that everyone's gonna devour eagerly. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you and if you sense the show is going badly, I would say uh, maybe start showing up late. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Maybe start being a little disrespectful. Yeah. Well, well, (laughs) and there's a way to 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 do that. The disrespect thing that's that's not just out and out like, oh, you're an asshole. You don't know what you're doing. It's almost just like if you want to get fired and this is for for good or bad. Like, I I will tell you this. If you don't want to get fired, don't do this. If you do want to get fired, do do it. Okay. Continuously, as a junior writer, make cut suggestions. <laughs> it's a it's a thing that is so annoying 
to uh, to writers who have been there for a long time, if there's a young writer in there and they're not necessarily pitching jokes, they're only pitching cuts. Do we need this scene? Can we lose that line? Is that working? Wouldn't it be, you know, like when people that, do... Doesn't that yeah, affect their like reputation then? So then another showrunner's like, hey, this guy was in your writer's room or this woman was in your writer's room. Why did yeah. you let them go? And then suddenly you're like, oh, they just would not stop giving cut notes. And then suddenly they become the guy that, or girl who gives cut notes and then nobody hires them. Well, you're, uh, you're, am I assuming in a vacuum, you're correct. Okay. But yes, but outside of the vacuum, there's now a psychological uh-huh. uh, game theory thing at play, which is you fired this person. They moved on. Presumably the thing you fired them off of didn't work out. Now you and they are sort of equals and you're in a sort of standoff where you go, if I say bad things about this person, they could in turn say say horrible things about me to this room full of people that I'm a horrible boss. Whereas if I just kind of shrug my shoulders and say, they're great, they're great, then (laughs) potentially they're not going to come and bite me in the ass with executives and other people and ruin my reputation. So. That's the, true. the best thing, you know, when you, you take economics and you start learning these theories <laughs> about how how people should act, like one of the things is that in game theory is sort of like the, the most mutually beneficial thing for us is to sort of be polite and yeah. say nothing about I mean, it. Because yes. you also don't know who's going to be your next boss on the next show. Well, that's right? another so. point. That's and it might point. be the person who you fire. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And that, and that, you know. That happens a lot as well. Yeah. That happens all the time. And now this is sort of a, a kind of a smaller point, but it, it's one that's relevant to our situation where if you're a young writer, most, you know, most shows in Hollywood are new or short lived, let's say. But there are some shows, Family Guy being one of them, you know, I could think of shows like The Goldbergs, Blackish, Dad, yeah. shows that are on for like a decade, let's say, or more. And if you come in as a young writer to a show like that, you need to do everything you can to stay there. Like, oh yeah, th- that's that, like that, getting on the Supreme Court, right? Exactly. <laughs> nice. There's it's, ten of those jobs, yeah. right? And and that's and it. And you cling can to buy them for dear life. Yes, and yeah. a summer house Life-changer. if you play this hand correctly. Yeah. Correct. Or you can work on twenty-five different short-run Hulu, Netflix. Apple yeah. TV things and have health insurance yeah. eight months a year. Right. And yeah. then uh, the rest of the time you're just scrambling trying to pick up copywriting gigs. Yeah. Right. So the, the the larger point there is if you come into a show like Family Guy, like the Goldbergs, like Blackish, an established hit show, you're not coming in there to put your spin on it to, to you know, you're, yes, you're coming in there to contribute your sense of humor and, and pitch That's the jokes you can. But by hook or by crook, and going back to Goldie's earlier point, if you get a job on Family Guy or Blackish or Goldberg's, come in early, first month, be there, all, you know, establish yourself as a guy who cares. Talk about how much you like the show. Talk about your, you know, your favorite episodes from the past. Like, just, do what you can to be a pleasant, normal person in that situation because you that's a life changing job. It's a, it, you know, so those are the ones you want. It's to also keep. so much easier to get a job 
when you have a job at, say, The Simpsons, yeah. if you go into a room and you're trying to sell a show and it's, I write for The Simpsons, everyone knows that's funny, that's a brand. Yeah. Yep, exactly right. As opposed to like, I've been out of work for eight months and uh, I've been thinking about a show takes place in a hospital. You know, it's like uh, already you're, you know, you're devaluing. You go, I work on The Simpsons in a, you know, yeah. a funny hospital. Right. It's like, yeah. well, like, yes, you know, yes. I mean, but it, Bart's funny. This hospital's probably funny. A Simpsons-style hospital. I love but it. I, going back a little bit, retreating to, if if you want to get fired, I, I can get you fired in five easy words. <laughs> oh, and yes. it's undetectable. Like, they can't forensically reconstruct that you were fired on purpose. Awesome. And here's hear how it. you get let's, fired. Let's hear those words. At some point, you just sit at the table, you hear a pitch, and people are pitching on the pitch. They're excited about it. Again, you don't like the show. You want to be out of there. And you just put your hands down, and you go, are we really doing this? <laughs> 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 the face too. you just in those five words express contempt for the whole thing <laughs> you imply that it's just so beneath you it's been done it's hackneyed it's awful it's terrible but it's not anything specific like you don't have to j really justify it or create yeah, an entire case you don't have and to take a specific said stand to everyone i'm not with you on this i'm not with you on anything in fact because it's now reached the point where it's like i haven't ever commented before on all the other horrible things <laughs> we've right. said but this are we really <laughs> doing this now <laughs> and you're right that that That's phrase great. you just, again you have a knack for coming up with these phrases yeah. like we'll look at it yeah we'll take uh, a look at we it. did it um, but <laughs> but are we are we really doing this is a bell that cannot be unrung. That's right. And it will it will ring in a showrunner's ears every time they look at your face and you will get fired. Like what? when yes. your next option is up, you will be fired. Yes. And I love how Goldie you've come into today <laughs> with much it seems like more weighted advice towards people who do want to get fired. <laughs> like here's advice for people who do want to get fired. Well, we if you if you are lucky enough to get further along in this business, it's you become less an individual and more like this kind of shitty private equity tranche, like you're a bond <laughs> in a credit default swap of a larger economic package. Oh, wow. And sometimes you know you're in a credit default swap and you're just like, Look, I just, I wanna be Urban Meyer sometimes. <laughs> like <laughs> would you rather be Urban Meyer or would you rather be Mike Zimmer? You know, like you want to be oh. coaching a five and eight team where you're like this. There's no future here. Or you yeah. just want to go like, pay me out. So, oh, God. you know, I try to I try to give advice for all levels here. Um, and that. so this piece of advice is is for people who don't want to get fired. Yes. <laughs> now, look, this is a personal thing. Yeah. And when again, I get it's, emotional. It's, all, it's always your business. No, this is not going to be emotional. <laughs> and I've played this wrong a million times. So this is just my experience telling you this is what I think this is. Take it or leave it. I would say don't drink with anyone from work ever. Wow. Oh, interesting. That's a, I would I say if people have seen you fall down drunk, if your boss has seen that and then it comes into like, oh, someone's left the show. I should promote someone to my number two. or And then you just go, 
I just saw that person like fall into a car. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I can rely on them. And that, yeah. you know, I've, in, I mean, there was a dinner at the Cleveland show where I had like absinthe. Ooh. I had yeah. two <laughs> bottles of wine and then I was like leaving to smoke weed. And then I thought at the end of the night, it would be really funny to tell everyone I was going to kill myself. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my and so I was like, I'm going to kill myself. And I just thought that this was fun. I was so wasted. And then, you know, everyone's like checking on me, thankfully. I mean, and, and you know, our, our bosses were such great, wonderful people. But yeah. like, what? Like, I was out of control. And, and yeah. it's like I, I was otherwise a good performer at the show. But, yeah. but like, why? Would I put that in people's minds? Like, why let them see me like that? Yeah, in that think, light, because it's a and job. I, and I think, I think when we started, there was more of a, a clubby, chummy atmosphere around this stuff, and the lines between personal and work were not as strict. And now there are these barriers up. But, but like, we're not going to unwind the past. We're not going back to that. So today, no. being today, I would say your work is your work, and your social life's your social life, and that you know. Again, your bosses are your bosses. They don't have to be your friends. You can be very friendly, but you need to keep certain standards up, I think, if you want to continue doing this in a way and progress as opposed to just, you know, stagnate and be at one level. Maybe you want to do that. It's There's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with never being the boss, by the way. That's a, a great life. Yeah. But I, mm -hmm. I would say a, a great way to get fired or at least to impede your career is let people see you drunk. Yes, you're right. And, and it's it's interesting because and you kind of you kind of mentioned this like when we came up and all that. Like when we were working with Craig, like he, you know, he's he's certainly not a heavy drinker, but he drinks and he lets you know about it. It's like a part of his like Lord Kilby sort of persona. So like that was, you know, it was on the the, the edge of okay to have like a glass of wine with Craig if he if he so allowed, which was kind of an honor. And then when we moved to Family Guy, Seth was the boss for a long time, and he's our age, and he also enjoyed having a drink, so it was kind of like, okay, it was somehow part of it. But for most people, if you're coming into a job as a junior writer, you're working for someone like us who's going to be like 20, 30 years older than you. And it's not cool. You know, you just don't want to lose control. Like we wouldn't want to lose control around a junior writer. Like, you know, you don't want to make some right. uh, uh, loose lipped comment when you've had yes. three drinks about like, you know, some uh, a girl's ass or something like you're, you. It's just you can't do that shit anymore. So that's great advice. Yeah. I mean, the holiday party. Keep it under control. Thank God those things are on Zoom now, so you can <laughs> just shut just the window. Say, but you know, if 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 you're better at this than I was, and you're able to have just one or none, there's plenty of opportunities in life to drink. And you, for the four times a year you're out with work people, you might just want to not do it. Shit, can it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I still advice. remember uh, a, a PA, I think, at one of our holiday parties, like, I want to say, like, eight years ago, just got absolutely sloshed and was in there. And and thank God it was, like, a couple years before the Me Too thing, or else he, he might have been in jail. Like, he, he was just wasted and declaring yeah. how he wanted to have sex with some, like, oh, older, you know, woman in our production and they had to hustle him out of there. Like other PAs kind of drove him home and he 
took a cab back and he came he was <laughs> oh back God. like an hour later standing in the corner still yelling the same shit I, I, it was just like a disaster yeah so you're, you're right i mean the more you Terrible. engage in that stuff the more talented you're gonna have to be which is very yeah. difficult yeah like yeah. better better to just not have to be that talented yeah than to not be that big a lush yeah but, but i'll say another thing and this might be generational if you want to get fired just look at your phone a lot in the room yes because anyone who's my age like i i can't tell you how angry i'd be when you're from when you're running the thing and you go i'm giving everyone a living here like when you start talking to yourself and and you get in egomania i'm the king mode which is easy to do when you're running things yes and you just go i'm running i'm struggling to hold it all together i'm four episodes behind i need these stories and i come in and everyone's on their fucking phone yeah yeah it's annoying yep and and people think like oh people can't see what i'm doing trust me everyone sees what you're doing like everyone's texting about what everyone else is doing and if you can break your phone addiction and just turn it upside down and not look at it or better yet leave it in your office and then when you go to the bathroom you're on a break Check your messages. You're not that important. If you if you were, you wouldn't be in a situation where you have a boss. So like nothing you say to anyone is time sensitive other than the people you're with. So, you know, and then you're going to go, you know, I think in your mind, you go, well, my boss looks at their phone. So it's cool. Your boss has a million fucking people texting them about this job. Yes. 100 percent right. Totally right. And it's funny, just a, a sort of a side note story about that. In the Family Guy writer's room, the way that it's set up, there's a – the writer's room, it's got big you know, glass windows on, on a couple sides. And right outside, there's a balcony um, overlooking the street. And so people would and, – and this was annoying – they would like – during, the, during work, they would take phone calls. I got to take this. You know, and they would go out to the balcony – and not only was it annoying, but just know that when you're out on the balcony, we're all making fun of you. <laughs> so hopefully that will make you hesitate a little bit before you do that. Like whenever somebody would go out to the balcony, we would always be pitching on what is this emergency phone call that this idiot well, is getting also, right now. Everyone- on the balcony looks like they think they're in the movie Wall Street. Yes. <laughs> like it's, it, totally it looks like, oh, it's so important. Tell, yep. sell, sell Telstar. Yeah. Teldar, whatever it was. It's Teldar paper. Very good memory. Yeah. Good memory. Impressive. I need Very to unload fun. Teldar. I mean, that's, what, that's what you look like when you're strolling around, grabbing your head, and yep. pacing back and forth on a small balcony as you take your call. But I... I Look, maybe that's one where I'm tone deaf and it's like, you don't understand our phones are our lives now and we all, but, and a sort of theory that's adjacent to this is Twitter's not paying you. Instagram's not paying you. So really calm down with that stuff. You know, I (laughs) know people think they need to be heard and every thought that you have is important, but unless they're paying you what your job is paying you, one wrong thing or one thing that even your boss disagrees with can plant the seeds of like, I don't want this person representing me. I don't want my name attached to this person. Um, So I would just say, you know, until you're in season two or season three, like just calm down with that stuff. Yep. You're, you're right. All this advice is totally right. You know, maybe it's just like, 
Here was a nice meal I had. That's a nice benign one. Yeah, there you go. Here's a picture of my wife. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Here's my kid wearing a Christmas there you uh, go. sweater. Watch Wonderful. The, watch the likes roll in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. fine. All right. So do you think we covered enough of both sides of that? that argument yeah. did you have any i don't not know argument. yeah I no i don't know <laughs> <laughs> all right well the 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 upshot is if you don't want to get fired be on time don't get drunk put your phone down those are three things very easy things easy and actionable and if you yep. want to get fired just hands on the table dramatic pause <laughs> are we really doing this <laughs> that'll get it done <laughs> guaranteed yeah. guaranteed that. all right that was very very good very thorough. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Um, All right. Time to shift from the theme to a part of the show we like to call Top Five. Top Five. Oh, yes. <laughs> Our best. We should do that in concert when this, the country opens up. We're just going to go around just sing just that, that and get off stage. All right. This was, uh, boy, this category was fun for me to think about. I hope it was fun for you guys. Yeah. This week's category is Top Five Minor sopranos characters so we're all fans of the sopranos we think i think it's the greatest show in the history of television uh you know it's certainly incredibly written and performed um i've watched it a few times and and something you notice when you watch is there are these small little characters along the way that are somehow great and stick with you so these are our top five minor sopranos characters would anyone like to go first I would like to go first. Go ahead. JC okay. wants to go I first. I struggled with this, and I feel like you guys should should close with it. So, all right. Um, all right. So, number five. I actually don't know her name, but okay. it's um, Meadows' dorm mate wh- that she goes yes. to, and she says um, she thinks that Jackie Jr. is cheating, right? And so the dorm mate drives where Jackie Jr. is, and then the girl that Jackie's with, or Jackie Jr.'s with, is she's like, who are you? And she's like, Fuck you or fuck off, bitch. Oh, that was yeah. it. Yeah, okay. That's an even smaller. <laughs> was that smaller the depressed ca- roommate? No, no, no. no. That's one. funny. That's even one. even smaller character. Boy, <laughs> yes. you really you <laughs> were up one. to the task. That is a well, minor character. I, just, I remember her. Yeah, she was like the dorm RA, and yeah. she's like, "Can I borrow your car?" Yes. She's and like, she "I'll was, drive you." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I loved that moment. Was like, yes, that's the kind of friend I want. <laughs> you know. Yep. So yeah, that's I remember Tony Soprano's daughter. Okay, so number. Four um, was Carter Chong, who was the guy in the, what is it, the 
hospital that Junior was in. The, the yes, they yes. ran the the game in, yes, in the who hospital. Idolized Junior. Yes, he I loved was great. Him. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so glad you remembered him. Yeah. He, he actually went on to do a lot of stuff. He was that a He's in like HBO's roster of actors. I've noticed. Yeah, and and yeah. He, he pops up in a lot yeah. of shows. And I loved him in Lost. I think that's where I was like, oh, it's this guy. I love this guy. He's a great actor. So yeah, I, he, he was he me. was really good as as Junior's like uh, sidekick. Yeah, he just, he really idolized him. Yeah. yeah. So um, and then number three was Svetlana Kirilenko. The uh-huh. one-legged Svetlana. Oh yeah, she's yeah. very good. Yeah, very. Yes, and and I mean there will be spoiler alerts in this list, but spoiler alert for that character, she actually plays a huge role in the series because mm-hmm. there Tony sleeps with her, and yes. a lot happens because yes. of that decision that he yes. makes. And but she's, she's great. She seems. She's awesome because she seems totally unaffected by Tony's yes, power and, and everyone's and... threats. Like she's just like she's seen it all. She's yeah. a Russian chick with one leg and yeah. she does not sweat you. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like, she's like she doesn't she's she doesn't got a want job to do. You know? She doesn't want your diamond pendant. Like <laughs> yeah, she doesn't exactly. care. Yes. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. Um, number two was the card dealer, Sunshine. The guy who just wouldn't shut up, and then he ended up getting shot because he wouldn't shut up. Yep, yep, yeah, he's like, you know. He was hilarious. uh, Yep. Victory, what does he say? Uh, You're better at that. He's doling out the phrases when the card game is getting robbed. He keeps doling out these little idioms that are just like meant to calm everyone down, but it just gets him blown away. Yes. Which I, there's some sort of weird satisfaction in that moment. I'm not sure why. <laughs> what that says about you. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. Sunshine. Yeah. And then my number one is uh, the Russian mobster that they can't kill. Oh, that's um, a great Valerie. Yes. Yep. Yeah, because what happened? We still don't. I mean, I'm yep. almost done. That to me is the. <laughs> The major drop ball of the series is we all wanted to yeah. see that guy again or have yeah. some repercussion from him I, coming yeah. back. And Goldie, you and I have talked about this, but there's a series in that guy, like that oh, guy coming back like to, for vengeance is, is a whole series. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that. my favorite episode of the whole it's so Me good. Too. series, Me too. Pine Barrens. Pine yeah. Barrens is great. I, like, I also like Whitecaps, uh, an oh. excellent, excellent episode. Yeah. It's where he's so uh, many. Okay. Um, Goldie, do you want to go ahead? Sure. Uh, number five is uh, Vito Spadafore's kid who steps on his duty in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What a maniac. <laughs> oh, my God. And I, that, that, scene, that scene where um, who's, who's the bad guy at the end who, they, who gets run over by the Phil. car tire? Yeah. Phil. Phil Leotardo. Yeah. When Phil takes him out to try and have a yes. heart to heart with him, and he's bought him like two milkshakes. Ice cream sodas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so great. He's great. Uh, number four is Lauren Bacall. Yes. Oh, nice. When she gets punched in the face for the gift basket. <laughs> that is such a great episode. And it's just like so shocking that they got it her. Is so and shocking. it just added this verisimilitude to the whole series. Oh, like, and right. by, by the way, that episode contains may- one of the funniest uses of the word fuck ever when Ben Kingsley turns to his agent when he- they're on the same flight as Christopher oh, yeah. and the other guy on the way back and he turns to his agent and he goes, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so bummed out about it. Um, number three, and this person didn't even do anything, but it led to what I just always remember as one of the funniest, most specific moments of the series is... Uh, 
former New York Jets coach Eric Mangini oh, when he was at the at the restaurant. At the restaurant. And, and Tony says, "The man genius is here. I better go say hello." Like, like this football coach needs this mobster to come say hello, or else it's somehow breaking manners. And also, what a moment in time that he was remembered as the man genius so briefly, yeah. for half a season. Um, number two is. And I should have looked up his name, but I didn't. But the uh, bada bing bartender who gets bashed in the head by Bobby? a phone yeah. and beaten up by Tony is like five yeah. times. I think it's Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is so funny. He's George. He's he, and he's a comic, that guy, I believe. That yeah. Actor. But he has those lines where he just doesn't understand Tony's sarcasm. You know, he's, he's like, infuri- what do you think? He's, he's like, what do you think? Ice grows on trees? No, Tony, I don't. You know, it's like, it only makes Tony so angry. He's, he's an infuriating person. Yeah, he is. And Ralphie whips him with a tire yes. chain when yeah. he's imitating Gladiator. Yeah. Yes. Um, he was great. And number one is, um, the French guy who sold Armagnac who oh tore my out Artie's earring. so good. Oh, yeah. That's, Just, wait, he's and, amazing. Uh, and Goldie, I know you love this when Artie's <laughs> acting out what he's going to say to the guy. Yes. <laughs> hey, Come on, Tally. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Phone not working? <laughs> what a great episode. Just that you thought... <laughs> He was gonna kick his ass, and he just, <laughs> just beats the it. shit out of him. It was so funny. <laughs> he ripped his ear, ripped his yeah. earring out, so uh, ended the fight. Oh my god, that's a great list. And I love that there's so little overlap in yeah. these lists. And and everyone you've na- both of you have named is great, and instantly makes me hysterical. Okay, so here here's my five. Number five for me is Sal Vitro. He's the gardener, oh, landscaper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the arms. The poor yes. guy. <laughs> Feech Lamana brutally bri- st- breaks his arm, but yet everybody still wants him to work for free right. for everyone. <laughs> and a little fun side note about this, and I actually looked this up and it was definitely the case. There's an episode later on, like a, a couple seasons after that, where he's still toiling away in Johnny Sachs. Yeah, he's yard. doing Johnny Sachs. Yes. Yes. Was, yeah. Yeah, who it, lived very far from where he... He's, he's oh. been made to do Johnny Sachs gardening, and he's doing it, and there's something where a couple, couple of the characters, I think it's uh, Edie Falco, Carm, looks out the window and, and sees Salvitro working away there in winter, and he's got... Goldie almost looks like you. He has like a hood on, <laughs> and he's got a bundle of like loose branches, you know, festooned <laughs> to his back. And it's exactly the uh, and they did it on purpose. It's exactly the picture on the cover of Led Zeppelin Four. Oh, of the I old man carrying the sticks. <laughs> and you could, if you Google that, here. you can see them side by side, and it's really amazing how close they made it. <laughs> okay, true. number four. Uh, Polly Galtieri's mom. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Or her. alleged mom. I know. Well, yeah, spoiler alert, <laughs> not really his mom, his aunt. And then he throws... Those rolls are for ma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, those pocket house rolls are for my ma. <laughs> and there's the thing when he realizes it's, it's actually his aunt and he goes there and throws her TV out the window. Oh. And he said, he goes, this TV I bought you from Shoppa's Image? <laughs> it just gets it wrong. <laughs> 
but she's so funny and just like how none of the other old ladies want to like sit her. with her at lunch. Know, oh, so, sad. She's so, so bad. I know. And then Polly calls one of the other ladies a malignant cunt, which is also just one of the funnier lines in the series. Um, and then number three, here's where we have overlap, JC. I, the oh. Pine Barrens, Russian. Oh, the yes. Pine. yes. Put the remote back in docking station. Like, Put what? universal remote, remote back in back docking, in docking station. station. That's what started the whole problem. It launched the whole episode. They got in a fight. Oh, my God. What a great episode. Okay. Now, number two, I know, I know you're going to love this one, too. Do you remember the name Aaron Arkaway? That's no. Janice's narcoleptic boyfriend. boyfriend. <laughs> you remember him? At the religious yeah. narcoleptic. Was, yeah, he's like, have you heard the good word? He's yes. like, yeah, you told me. <laughs> it's so funny. It's good. Um, okay, and, and number one, and oh, I love her. I want to give her such a big hug. Ginny Sack, Johnny oh, Sack's yeah. wife, Ginny Sack. When he comes back and back. finds her on her hands and knees, chowing like down chocolates. the hidden candy in the that yeah. was in the laundry machine. Yes, it's heartbreaking. Amazing. <laughs> so, gang, listening, of course, of course you've heard of The Sopranos. Of course, I hope you've seen it. If you haven't, please go watch it, especially if you want to be a writer. You'll never see better writing. So... Yeah. There it is. Yeah, there's, thanks for, there's for the top five. having me watch it. I'm, I'm almost done, but I mean, it's I just a few episodes. But. Start over really, again. That's the only yeah. thing to do. I, probably I know. You really got to get to the end there. Yeah. All right. So now, as we do each week, we're going to go straight from our top five and end on a high note. La, 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 la. <laughs> there it is. Tom Gamble with his holiday high note singing for us. <laughs> Um, I'll start it off just to, to get it quickly out of the way. As we close in on the end of the year here, I'm just really proud of the Family Guy writers. I think we did another year. Uh, you know, we we started the obviously this the Zoom stuff in, in March of 2020 when the world shut down. And it kind of looked like for a little while we might be heading back into the office. But then now it turns out probably not so soon. But it really, everybody's pitching in. Everybody's doing a really good job. We're getting the shows done. I think a lot of the shows we're writing now are just as good as any of our best shows from any season. So I'm awesome. really proud of the the Family Guy writing staff. Goldie, you included. You know, yeah. you, you, you you picked up a, an oar and started rowing right away, very hard as usual. And I think I think it's just a great thing. It's a it's a testament to how talented they are that they just keep moving forward and keep getting first downs. So. Thank Yay. you, Family Guy writers. That's nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, sh- you want to go or should I go? Uh, I'll go. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I'm not just saying this because it makes it sound like our last podcast of the year, which would then manifest a week off for myself. Uh, <laughs> this will hey. be our last broadcast podcast of the year. Okay. Sure. Oh, I should Hey, the at the thing. beginning of this year... I didn't know we were going to have a podcast. Oh, it's something we talked about, maybe, and I just never knew how to get going. It's something I'd been thinking about for probably 15 years. Amazing. <laughs> but I just want to thank you guys. Like, we actually did it. We've done, we I don't know, 17, 18 of these yeah. things, and we're yep. doing 19. it. We and are. it's not easy. And it's not a fun time, but this is a bright (laughs) spot. No, I don't mean the podcast. I mean the year. Oh, yes. 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 This is, 
these are certainly the worst circumstances I've ever lived through, and it yeah. shows no signs of ending. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm really happy we did this, and I'm. It's amazing, sort of, just by making an appointment to do something that you look back and you've done something. Yeah. 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 Well, back at I you, agree. Goldie. Yeah. You're I, again. I'll compare myself for you, sports fans out there, to Scott Mitchell. Scott Mitchell <laughs> was the forgotten quarterback of the Detroit Lions, who was just fine, but all he did was hand the ball off to Barry Sanders, and then you had all those highlights. <laughs> so, Goldie, yeah. thank you for being our Barry Sanders. Yeah. Yes. Wow, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah, that's a nice, nice uh, high note. JC, I guess that makes you Coach Wayne Fonts. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> I'll Google that. Don't Google him. Oh, <laughs> don't. Okay, so mine is less. Uh, mine is about tennis. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, whoops. We'll cut this part. <laughs> I thought we were going to do one more. Um, Emma Raducanu was the 19-year-old who won the U.S. Open. She was voted the sports personality, the BBC Sports Personality of the Year at 19 years of age. And I, she's this beautiful, talented, athletic, brilliant tennis player, 19-year-old Asian woman. And it's just such a testament to uh, women in tennis. And uh, it's my high note. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's great. Yeah. I mean, my Good. high note was you. I know. <laughs> Your high note is... Emily Raducanu. Sh- Emma, yeah, I should have shifted. Yes. It's really hard to <laughs> now deal emotionally with the fact that I put myself out there. I let myself be vulnerable and then I find out you're in love with a young tennis player. <laughs> Shocking. Well, let us know, fans, at a typical disgusting display at gmail.com. Did JC just take a shit down Goldie's throat? <laughs> let us know. Um, we yeah. want to wish you all a uh, very happy holidays out there. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you too for being awesome. And we will be talking to you, you again next year. Oh.